We're in the series called Agape. The word Agape means God's love for mankind. God's love for mankind. And I'm there and I want you to reflect back on what we talked about last week. And I want to get through as much as possible here and then talk about what we uh, want to do as going forward. Uh, today is part two in uh, the Agape series and this one is called Love Feast. So I began last time by saying loving people is hard. I want to do that again. Loving people is hard. But allowing God to love them through you, allowing God to love people through you, allowing the love of God to flow through you, to channel through you, relieves you of a world of heartache, emotional fatigue, and loss of identity. It relieves you of having to do the whole thing yourself. Loving people is hard, but when you love, let God love them through you, it takes a weight off your shoulders, makes things a whole lot easier. Not with a, not with a sort of a, a resentful heart. Hey, I'm not going to love you, but I'm not going to let God love through you, through me. You know, God loves you. I, 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 I can't stand you, but God loves you. So, you know, so I'm going to cop. No, no, really, really let the love of God fill you and then flow through you. So you're literally loving with God's love. We have to become students of that very thing and become successful in doing that. So in this series, I wanted, wanted us to ex understand that. Can you get me on both monitors? It's a bit weird here. That it is about the love of God, but we've talked a lot about the love of God. So this series isn't about the love of God, but more so, the, my personal emphasis is going to be on the misconceptions and misguidedness of what we call love and what we call the love of God. And I want the revelation of God's love to set us free from fears and feelings and failures. I want God's love to do a deep work in our life so that it sets me free to love people. It sets me free to forgive. sets me free to uh, have patience with failure, etc., etc. So when we do love with God's love versus my own, there are spectacular benefits. It's not harder, it's easier. It eases stress, it eases health, it eases burdens. There's more love to love with. And it's like switching cylinders and you're switching to a... Uh, an, an unending source, a multiple, you know, power source. It comes full circle and you feel the love of God as it comes through you and come back to you. So my prayer is that God would mark covenant life with that love. And as people walk into church, they would feel that love. Meaning acceptance, meaning forgiveness, meaning grace, meaning extension, second chance, second chance over and second chance over in all genuineness. Four types of uses of love, mostly in the scriptures. There are many more. Eros being erotic. Philia being love for friends or family uh, equals. Storge being love for children, love for parents in a family. And then agape, which means love for mankind or universal sacri sacrifice. There's three forms in which it is used. It's used in the noun form where... Uh, Agape is the love of God the Father. When God says he's loved, he loves the world. Then in the plural form, the word agapai, which is what we're talking about today. The word agapai has been very interestingly used in the form of a love feast. We'll all eat together to show that we are one. We eat together and it's a love feast, which means we show our love by not just feeding one another, but by eating together. When you see two people eating together, you presume they are friends. You presume that they are at peace with each other. You presume that they work through difficult issues. You presume that they are in fellowship. 
So to love one another and to eat together reflects all of that. So it's not the eating, but the being together over a meal, uh, a meal that that shows that love is what uh, Paul is talking about here when he talks about that. Then he says, don't be, don't come hungry to these meals. He explains how to be and how to behave with those meals. Don't come hungry like there's no tomorrow. You eat like there's no tomorrow, like there's no food in your house. This is not a place to come and, you know, and hog. This is a place where the, the, the focus is on the why you are together and not what you are eating. Then lastly, the word uh, in its adjective form, agape, is used as mouth wide open. We're like in awe, in worship. Next week I want to look at that and talk about that. All right. So let me take you through a couple of scriptures that talk about the church in the home. Because whenever we have home, we talk about meals. When we talk about meals, it's got to be in the home. Right? And I want you to disconnect this whole meal idea and love feast idea from communion. This is not communion. We're not talking about Holy Communion. We're not talking about sacraments. We're not even talking about the Lord's Supper or what Jesus did in the beginning and the end of the meal. These were love feasts that people got together in homes and did over the first century church, during the first century church. This is not a it's not a new concept, but back in the 17th century, it kind of was revived in the Methodist uh, tradition and in some of the other traditions. It was revived and has begun, and there's been different forms of that. I sent you an article that talks about that on Telegram. I sent that to you. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, circle fellowship, because that's the friendship meal. That's the peace meal. We are having this meal to prove that we are peaceful with each other. We are a family that we eat together. Okay? And to the breaking of bread and to prayers. And awe came upon, <coughs> excuse me, awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Circle all. And all who believed, all the believers were together. You get that? They were together. This was the reason, this is the excuse they found over meals to be together. Because when unbelievers are together, you can be eating, but what it's about is different. When believers are together, you can eat the same food, but it's about something different. It's not about the butter chicken. It's not about the karela. It's about who you are and whose you are. And you start talking on those terms. That's the language. That's the prayer. That's the fellowship. That's the singing. That's the sharing of God's word. God's, it becomes an encouragement in the Lord. Verse 45. And they were selling their possessions and belongings to distribute to the priests, proceeds to all, as anyone had need. As anyone had need. So there's always, do you need anything? Is there anything you need? And they would never allow anybody to remain in need. Everybody took care of everybody. As anyone had need. Verse 20, 46. And, the day, and day by day, attending the temple together. So they would go to church together. They would go to the large group together. But they would break bread in their homes. You get that? They would attend big church together. But they would break bread in their homes. What does it mean to break bread? To break bread means to eat together. To have a meal together. That was a general phrase. A, 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 a phrase that was used for fellowship in the home. And they received their food. Underline this. And they received their food with what? Glad and generous hearts. So there was a receiving and there was a generosity. There was a giving and there was a taking. Received their food with glad and generous hearts. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And in response to that, God added to their number daily those who are being saved. God added to their number daily. Who's the one who adds members to the church? Who's the one who adds members to the family? God does. 
God is the one who's reaching out. God is the seeker. God is the one who's winning people over back to himself. He's the one who's looking for people, searching for people. With a long arm, he has saved us and brought us. Acts chapter 5 verse 42. And every day in the temple and from what? House to house. House to house. They did not cease to teach and preach Jesus Christ. We call this the house to house, home to home Acts 2020 model of preaching. So the church is people. In your mind, repeat it with me. The church is people. The church is not a building. The church is not an institution. The church is not a registration with the government. The church is not a denomination. The church is not the, the pastor and whatever ministry he is doing. The church is the people of God. Where do you find people? In homes. Where do you find believers? Gathered in homes. The church is the people and the people are in homes. And what do people do? They eat. What do they do best? They eat. And when they eat together, all the real stuff comes out. You know, you could be all prim and proper. You could be all, you know, dressed up and everything. But by the middle of the wedding feast, by the middle of dinner, by the end of dinner... You all come unraveled. Everything comes apart. You know, we loosen the belt, we loosen the collar, everything comes, fingers, toes, we get into it, and then we get comfortable with one another over a meal. Not over a board table, over a meal. And over a meal, we begin to talk anything that comes into our head because our mouth is busy. And you begin to share just over a meal, it changes everything. You begin to share what you're really going through, problems that you've struggled with. You become, you become real and they become real with you. What a difference. In India, it's a chai. It's a chai. The phrase, let's do chai together, the phrase, chai peete hai saath saath, means that over chai, there's going to be a lot of things. I'm not talking about coffee with karan. Don't have that coffee. Don't have that karan. I'm talking about chai. And if chai can be added with that, a little bit of matki or I don't know, something, you're beginning to loosen up and you're beginning to let people be people. And you're beginning to say, you know what, your home, your home, my home is your home. What an incredible thing. Let me read for you and please don't get lost or, 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 or sleep. And if you do sleep, somebody else could just gently wake you up when I'm done here. Just part of the article that I sent to you yesterday. The love feast or the agape meal is a Christian fellowship meal recalling the meals Jesus shared with his disciples. Remember when he said, come and dine with me. And Jesus cooked fish early in the morning. What have you caught? Let me cook it for you. That They ate a lot over each other uh, and, and, and spent time with each other. With disciples during his ministry expressing the koinonia. That means fellowship, community, sharing. So when you're sharing food, that's something that's very dear to your heart. Something is very dear to your heart. When my, when my brother used to take a piece of meat off my plate, I had to rethink that whole relationship. <laughs> that was not the same anymore. Now I had to turn the... I, I talked to my father about his will and everything. He took meat off my plate. I mean, this is serious. So when we share food, it's serious. It's serious. Have you noticed anybody with a little McDonald's fries? You take one fry, they turn into... Although its origins in the early church are closely interconnected with the origins of the Lord's Supper, the two services 
become quite distinct and should not be confused with each other. The Lord's Supper is not a love feast and the love feast is not the Lord's Supper. While the Lord's Supper has been practically universal among Christians throughout the church history, the love feast has appeared only at certain times and among certain denominations. The modern history of the love feast began with Count Zinzendorf and the Moravians in Germany introduced a service of sharing food, prayer, religious conversation and hymns back in, the in 1727. John Wesley first experienced experienced it among the Moravians in the Savannah, Georgia, 10 years later when he got that started. His diary, no diary note says, after evening prayers, we joined with the Germans in, the, in one of their love feasts. It was begun and ended with thanksgiving and prayer and celebrated in so decent and solemn a manner as a Christian of the apostolic age would have allowed to be worthy of Christ. Testimonies and praise are the focal point in most love feasts. I repeat, testimonies and praise are the focal point in most love feasts. Testimonies may include personal witness. Jesus did this for me. God has moved in my life, etc., etc. Accounts of what God has been doing in the lives of others. Praise may be taken in the form of perhaps hymns, songs, choruses, spoken exclamations, many varied from relative formality of, 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 of an opening or a closing hymn to spontaneous calling of calling out of requests and singing in this, as the spirit moves. So it could be a song list or it could be just random. Sometimes the leader guides those present altering, alternating spontaneous singing and sharing in, in a free and familiar conversational style. Hey, why don't you share something? Is there a song you want to sing? And they would go through that. Wesley Council, that all the above be done decently and be done in order. That's why they were called Methodists because they started putting things in order. They didn't want confusion and chaos. Prayer is vital to a love feast. A fixed form of prayer may be used, especially something like the Lord's Prayer or be present here, O Lord, at our table. Uh, that is familiar to people. Spontaneous prayer requests and prayers may, be, may come from the people. Hey, could you please pray for my mother-in-law? Hey, could you please pray for my, uh, my wife, etc., etc. Or that, uh, that is spontaneous. Scripture also is important important. Scripture, even better off when it flows, when you already know scripture. Hey, do you remember that wonderful psalm or do you remember that verse where he says in Deuteronomy, etc., etc. There may be scripture readings and persons may quote scripture spontaneously as the spirit moves. There may be a sermon, an exhortation or an address, but it should be informal. It should be informal. It should be informal and consist of the leaders adding personal witness to what spontaneously came from the congregation. The love feast may also be followed by a full meal. In which case, person or persons, families may bring dishes of food for all to share. So you're showing my kitchen is your kitchen, your kitchen is my kitchen, we are one family. During the meal, there may be an informal conversation in Christian fellowship and the leader may direct the conversation by suggesting matters of mutual concern. Or there may be spontaneous witnessing and praise. If there is food left over... It may be taken as an expression of love to those who are not present. So what do we do with leftovers? Don't freeze it. Give it to the poor. Give it to the poor. Let's talk about the love feast. Let's talk about the love feast. We, have, we love love and we love feast. Both things are very dear to us. But what does it mean when you say agapai? A-G-A-P-A-I. Agapai. Love feast. What is important here? This is the reason we meet in homes. Because it has a kitchen. This is the reason we meet in homes, because there is a table. There are not pews. There is a table. There is no stage. There is a dining room. There is a drawing room. And we are identified by how agape rules our relationships and our believers. We are identified by that agape love. 
A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. So God wants to see the love that he's had for you. He wants to see it between you, between us. That you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another by this, by this, by this. All people in Delhi will know, in Noida, in Gurgaon will know that you are my disciples. This is how they will know. Not the preaching and the yelling and the screaming and the judging and the... By this they will know that you are my disciples because you get along. Because you know how to get along. Because you know how to forgive one another. Because you know how to prioritize each other. Because you know how to care for one another above your own needs, expectations, wants, desires, comforts. By this all people will know that you are my disciples. If you agape, if you agape one another. I want you to look at the graphic that I already sent to you. It's on your phone, but it's also on the screen. It's not here, so forgive me, I'm going off the top of my head. In both cases, you see agape and you see agapai. And the agapai word is the plural word, which means a love feast. But I want you to particularly look at it, and again, I can't see it. So particularly look at where it says, I want you to love one another. Verse 35. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Okay, become students for, for a second here. Which word is used for love? Agape, right? Which is God's love. So God's love is pouring out. We. This is where, this is the community in which we switch from storge love filial love to God's love. This is not about you. This is about God. This is not about me. It's about Jesus. So, and then you, use, you see the two other words, ekos, alelon. Do you see those two words? What is ekos? Ekos, echo. Echo, come on people. Yeah, echo. Echo. And alelon is one another. Okay, so I'm loving you and that love is reflected, echo back to me. And you love me and I love you back with the love that you loved me. So that takes both to be committed to loving with God's love. One loves with God's love, another one receives it as filial love or stoke love or even worse erotic love. Kalas. That's the end of that. Both have to be committed to loving one another. That's when forgiveness happens. When a husband and wife are both committed to loving each other with Christ's love and not with their own love. When brothers in the family understand that it is the love of God from both sides, not your love. Well, what about my love? Crucify it. Crucify it. It is a selfish love. It is a lustful love. It is a love for other people's love. Some people say, you know, I really love that girl. No, you don't love that girl. You love that girl's love. You love that girl's attention. Even worse, you love what that girl has, which is what you want. Human love, filial, uh, uh, carnal love is always wanting. But the love of God is always giving. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The giving aspect is a reciprocative action. It's an echo, echos. So when God's love is given, it comes back. So we love him not because, because, but because he loved us. 
We love him because he loved us first. So his love to us, or rather our love to him, is an echo back to God and God's love. So if you understand, if the lights come on about what God's love is like, you will understand that you could be the most loved person if you are the most loving person. You could be the most loved person if you are the most loving person. And with God's love, you could... Enjoy the love of God from other people if it goes through you. And you need to become a student of that. Echos alone. Echos alone. Love one another. And when God says, I want you to love one another, he pours that love to you for her, for him. Pours that after her to him for you. And the whole community shows up with the love of God. And that's when everybody, all peoples will know that you are my disciples. 1 John chapter 4 verse 12. God is encountered and desired by the maturity of agape in us. It takes maturity to have agape. It takes maturity to have agape. And uh, that's what 1 Corinthians 13 is about. 1 Corinthians 13 says, above all else, love. Love is a sign of maturity. Love is not a sign of my feelings toward you. Love is, shows me how much I have grown in Christ, that I am dying to myself, and I am able to give you Jesus more than I am able to give you myself. I have buried myself and I'm giving you Christ in my conversations and in my tone of voice, in my thinking and in my caring. I give you Jesus. Wives, give Jesus to your husbands. Husbands, give Jesus to your wives. That is what it means to love one another. That is what God means when he talks about agape. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, then people will see the love of God. People will see God at work. People will feel the presence of God in that kind of love. Don't think like. Don't think I like you. Don't think how much you love spending time together. That's not love. That's socializing. Don't think about how much you want to hang out or go to holiday with certain people. That's not love. That's for you. But love is when God gives you a burden, God gives you a desire, God gives you the ability to forgive, God gives you a, a, a need to be there for somebody else whom you would otherwise never be. Which is why when God says love the people of God, love the church, love your, your community, covenant life or your home group, when he says that, he's saying, hey, I want to love your community through you. I want to love the people in the row sitting next to you through you. I want them to feel my love, but I want to feel it through you. I want them to experience my presence through you. And that's when you realize it's not you doing anything. It's God flowing through you. For the love of God has been poured out into our hearts. The unfortunate thing is a majority of the church actually doesn't get this. We do not understand this. What I've just said in plain and simple English, because it cannot be done. It has to flow through you. God has to do it. So it doesn't come from you trying. It comes from you maturing. The more you are mature in the Lord, it, it just happens. Colossians chapter 3. We wear agape as a garment of praise. In the previous verse, verse 12, he says that love is perfected in us. It's matured in us. So he says, if then you've been raised with Christ, seek the, other, seek the things that are above where Christ is hidden, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above. Set your mind on heavenly things, not on earthly things. For you, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's a believer. An unbeliever is one who's living on earth, for earth, by earth, everything earth. 
But a believer is placed into heaven and is sitting in the right hand in Jesus and looking at his life from an eternal perspective and saying, what can I do and how can, who can I be to who so that Christ's love is seen in me. Those are how Christian relationships work. Christ-centered relationships work. See here in verse 12, it says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, what? Number one, compassion. Compassionate hearts. Number two, kindness. Number three, humility. Number four, meekness. Number five, patience. Number six, bearing with one another. If one has a complaint against each other, then number seven, forgive one another. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you forgive. So it just pours. This is the kind of relationships God wants in it. And lastly, he says, above everything, put on love. Put on love. Put on love. It's like a garment. You say, Lord, give me your love to love others with. And that's what binds everybody in perfect harmony. Two very major words here. Let the peace of Christ, peace. And love two in verse 16, let the word of Christ, word. You got peace and word. Let the peace of Christ rule your what? Hearts. Let the love of word of Christ rule your what? Your mind. Let the peace of Christ and let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and thankfulness to God in your heart. Whatever you do in word and deed, do all to the glory of God. James chapter 5 verse 16. We face up with our sin. He says you confess your sin one to another. Confess your sin one to another. Romans chapter 5 verse 5. We are filled with the agape of God for this purpose. That God's, God's family would be complete. That God's family would be mature. Don't attend church. Be the church. Don't go to church. Be the church that people go to. When you come to me and I come to you and we come to each other with the love of God, with a commitment to one another to make Christ known and to, to love him with all, that's when we are being the church. God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who he has given to us. What is poured out is poured through. What is poured out is poured over. So in CL, in Covenant Life, we have home groups. We have house churches and we have home groups. And those home groups is where you show your membership. When you say you're a member of Covenant Life, you're a member to the home group because that's where the church is. That's where people are. This is not church. This is the Sunday gathering for the teaching of the apostles. For the word of God to be taught, to be encouraged, to be instructed in all, under, in all righteousness. But then we go live it out in the home groups and in the, in the communities of faith. And when we go there, we don't go with our love. You know, I don't like those people. You know, those are people so irritating, you know, so judgmental. That's exactly what you are. We don't like what we are in other people. We don't like the traits we have when we see it in other people. When we see it in our children, we further don't like it. What I hate about my son is the things that I'm most like. So God wants us to love so that I get loved in the process. God wants us to release all judgment and contemplate any kind of condemnation. So to be a member of Covenant Life is to be a member of a church that is people, that is homes. The fact that you come here doesn't make any difference because it's the shores of Galilee. The scribes came, the, tri the Sadducees came, the critics came, the media came, the devil came. Everybody comes to church. That is Sunday morning gathering. 
Sometimes speaker is not working, sometimes this is not working, sometimes that is going off, sometimes there is a disruption. Satan is here as well. So you can come and you can be an attendee. You can be a Sunday church goer. But you are not in the church if you are not in relationships with other believers. If you are not opening the Bible and saying, tell me what this says. What is this saying over here? You talk to me, I talk to you. And you get into the word and you understand scriptures. You are not in the church. You are not being the church if you are not holding people's hands and praying the love of God down, the peace of God down, the provision of God down, and the healing of God down. If you haven't prayed with anybody in the last one week, you are not the church and you are not being in the church. If you are not committed to a certain group of people to be mature with them, to learn about them and you love their company because they love Jesus and nothing else, you are not the church and probably you are not even saved. To be a member of the church is to be Christ to somebody and be Christ to, and in a commitment relationship with people who are also being Christ to you. The, all the peoples will know that you are my disciples by the way you agape and agapai. Are you committed to people in this church? Are you committed to the work of the church? Are you committed to the needs of the church? If your commitment, your burden, your, your, your allegiance doesn't lie with the people of this church, the work of this church and the needs of this church, you are just a growth. You are an extra growth. You are just an attender. You are welcome, but you are not a member. What did I say in the beginning? That this series is about dealing with misconceptions and misguidance about our understanding about God and His love. The love of God must flow through you to somebody. And if that's not being done in, a, in committed relationships, in covenant relationships, first in the marriage and in the family, and then in the home group, small group, whatever you want to call it. Are you committed to home group? Pastor, I'll see, pastor, we'll find the time, pastor, this pastor, that pastor. Okay. Are you committed to your children growing in the Lord? Sunday school is empty over there. There's one kid. Are you committed to your early teens? There's just two kids sitting over there in the early teens. Are you committed to family prayer? Can't remember the last time family prayed together. See, the first step to healing and the first step to revival is honesty. The first step to, to getting right with God is repentance. And if we are never going to be straight with one another, if we're never going to talk to one another straight up, you know, you're not walking with God. That's not a godly attitude. No, that's not love what, you, what you're showing. If we don't come face to face with our excuses and our, our, our addiction to comfort, we're never going to be the church God wants us to be. Which is why Delhi has so many churches but there's no dent in the, in the population. Because if Christ's love was on display, truly people will come running because you know how much they need the love of God. People are hurting and they need the love of God. People are lonely and they need the love of God. People are lost. People are carrying guilt. Look at the people standing in line outside a temple. Five in the morning. We can't make it to church on time at 10.30. They are standing in line at 5 in the morning. What does that say? They are hungry for forgiveness. There's a desperate human need to be approved by this power up there. This, this, this being up there. They know there's more than that. Because the Bible says eternity is written in the hearts of men. 
Eternity is written in the hearts of men. Romans chapter 1 says, they know it deep in their heart. They know it that there is a God. He is holy and I'm not okay with him. Everybody, every religion, every philosophy, every ideology is screaming out, somebody get me right with somebody. I don't know. This is not me. And the church is supposed to say, this is the place, this is the person, this is the way. But we want to be church goers. I know I'm preaching to the audience, to the, to the choir here, because you're already here. But will you take this message further? Will you pray that online this message goes further? Would you pray that people who need to hear this message would hear it today? The, people, the empty seats were supposed to be somebody who was supposed to hear this message and they are not here because of com- discomfort, because of inconvenience and because of a lack of covenant love to you and to me. Do we understand that by going to a small group, going to a home group, going to men's fellowship, going to uh, a house fellowship, by going there, I'm fulfilling the maturity of the whole group. No brother, no pastor, you all carry on. I'll come next time. Lies. You are lying to the Holy Spirit. Am I committed? Are you committed to the people in this church? I didn't ask you if you like them. There are a lot of people in this church I don't like. But they are not come today, so... I didn't ask you to like them. I didn't say that you won't have problems with people in the church. I didn't say that there won't be awkward situations. But you have to love them. Because every day after work, after school, every day after, every day you go back home. You love your family. But you go back home. And the reason you go back home is because they're your family. And we are blood relatives. The blood of Jesus Christ. Are you committed to the church? The people in this church? Look around you. Look around you. Do you feel a love for them? When people immediately after the service, just get up. They don't want to talk to anybody. You know? Why did you come? Why did you come? Why, do, why did you bother? Ma- mail me. I'll send you an audio message of this message. Of this sermon. If you don't love these people, why are you here? Pastor, you know, for me, you are covenant life, Pastor. That's not a compliment. That's a deep insult. No, no, for you know, I just I just come for the worship. I just come for the message. Don't come. Don't come. Because if the word of God is not changing your life, then don't come. I'd rather speak to 10 people who are going to do something about it than not. You, are you getting this? Are you feeling the pain? When people just leave, as soon as the church is over, don't want to talk to anybody, don't want to see anybody. If you don't know anybody, get to know them. You know how to get to know them? Love feast. Ask them to come for a meal to your table. You go to their house for a meal. Go to Sarvana. And when the sambar is dripping and everything, the real person comes out and you will never be the same again. We have Northeast people in this church. We have South Indians. We have North Indians. We have humans. We have others. We've got everybody in this church. 
And only the love of Jesus and Christ himself is the common factor. Would you say amen to that? In which case you are not coming for your own ethnicity. You are not coming for your own type of people. Don't socialize with Christians. Fellowship. Fellowship with believers. They are your family. Are you committed to the people in this church? Will you ask God today, today the 10th of July, Lord give me a love for the people in my church. Lord today will you give me a love for the work of my church. Are you involved? Are you involved as a volunteer? Are you, is there any time and energy in your life that's given to the work of this church? Answer yes, answer no. Answer how much? The needs of the church. Do you know the needs of the church? Do you know how the offering is doing? Do you know what the situation is? Do you care? Love will make you care. Love will make sure that the church is doing better than your personal business. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That the ministries are doing better than your ministries. That the church is growing even if my business is not growing. Love will say, Lord, you first, you first, you first. Do you want me to be faithful to the church? Do you want me to faithfully teach the word of God? Every Sunday, do you want me to tell you lies or do you want me to tell you the truth about God's word? Do you want me to give my tithe? Do you want me to give more than my tithe? Do you want me to lead my family in a way that's right and honorable to Jesus? Do you want me to put the church first and the people of the church first and love people no matter what they're like and how much they let me down and how much they, they bail and, 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 and are inconsistent? Do you want me to love them anyway? I expect the same from you. Jesus expects the same from you. You've got to love the people of the church. Not everybody. Start with your home group. Not because you like them, but because God loves them. People work needs. So watch out for the next membership class. And when you sign your membership class, when you sign your membership covenant, remember what I told you, that membership is not to, the to this organization. Membership is not to Sunday morning. Membership is to a home group. And the second thing is choose a home to fellowship in. Where love feasts will happen, where prayer will happen, where study will happen, where you will grow, where your love will be perfected in you. Choose a fellowship. Choose a fellowship. For four weeks, five weeks, I've been saying, if you're interested in coming to a home group, if you're interested in joining a house church, not a single response. Not a single response. So kids' church is starting. Kids' church is starting. One kid is sitting there. Early teens. Let's do early teens. Do we need early teens? Oh, yes, we need early teens. Well, oh, yes, very important ministry. We're early teens. Two kids are sitting there. Our own children are not coming. Leave alone the others who we are calling. If we are not committed, why would others come? It's, oh, it's time to be serious. It's, it's time today. And if, if there's a burden on your heart, what are you supposed to do about it? Pray. Pray for revival. Pray for change. Pray for repentance. I shared this message with you this morning with a very heavy heart. Yes, it's love feast, but what's the point if we don't love each other? Are you committed to the people in this church? Are you committed to the work of the church and are you committed to the needs of the church we want God to be faithful but will we also be faithful